Hi, my name is Bob Brooks, founder of Long in the Tooth Podcast. Most dentists fail to plan ahead for the sale of their practice, which costs them hundreds of thousands of dollars and burdens the ones they love with uncertainty about the future. So every Friday on Long in the Tooth, we share non-clinical insights from dental industry experts to help practice owners prepare for the sale of their practice today so they maximize profitability and peace of mind in the future. For all the hard work you put into building a practice, we believe that you, your family, and your staff deserve to transition after the sale into an even richer and more rewarding season of life. Hi, and welcome back to the Long in the Tooth podcast. We appreciate you listening again. We've got another episode here where Marie and I, uh, Marie Chatterley, and I, Randon Jensen, dental practice transition specialist, will be discussing hopefully topics that are useful uh, to you as you are contemplating and or preparing for a practice transition. Uh, today, Marie, let's talk about telling patients. When do we tell them? How do we tell them in a transition? Yeah, typically informing patients is one thing that I find a lot of sellers have uh, anxiety about or a nervousness about because this is kind of like getting the word out that something's happening with the practice. And the correct answer is, is we don't inform all of the patients until the day of close and either by email or mail. So that notification is a formal notification to the entire patient base that the practice is being transitioned. So that doesn't mean that there are not opportunities in which are appropriate to inform patients individually before that date, because you will have a number of people coming in the week or two before closing that are going to be here back in the office just in a few weeks for a procedure, and it's really awkward if you could have informed them about the transition and that they're gonna be seeing somebody else when they come back in and then you failed to do so. So with the staff transition meeting, typically I recommend doing that early enough on two to three weeks before the close date so that all the staff members are prepared on how to inform this, the patients as they come in. So I like to have that transition letter ready for them. So the introduction of the buyer ready so they have at least a bio or something about the buyer so they can give the patient some information to get to know the individual. And I always like all the staff members to meet the buyer as well so that they at least can say that they've met the individual um, and that they are sincere in delivering a little bit of information about the person ahead of time. So during the staff transition meeting, I think the most important thing to remember about talking to patients is to avoid using the words bought and sold. So patients don't want to feel like they're a commodity that's purchased. You either want to say that Dr. So-and-so is acquiring the practice or assuming the care of patients. One of those two is probably my preferred. Do you have a preferred random that you? Yeah, no, I'm saying same, same there. Just using acquired, taking over, assuming, assuming the practice, assuming your the care for patients, things like that. But I agree. Patients don't want to feel like they've been traded on the open market. Yeah. And then once, uh, you've had an opportunity to meet with the staff members. They have a really good introduction to the buyer. They've had a chance to meet the buyer. Then being able to give them a few pointers on how to overcome little hiccups that might come up with patients that have concerns. And so I recommend using the Phil felt found method, which is I know how you must feel, Mrs. So-and-so. Other patients have felt the same way. However, we have found that when they've met Dr. Buyer, they've been super happy and they can see why Dr. Seller has made such an effort to bring someone like this into the practice or saying something to the effect that we're confident that you're going to be able to feel and see the same quality of care that you've been used to 
receiving with Dr. So-and-so over, over the years with Dr. Byer. So anything that I, obviously it needs to be sincere with the staff members, which I know can be hard at the onset because there's not a huge opportunity for them to work with and see the work of the prospective buyer, but even having an opportunity to meet with them and get a feel for their personality, their background and education gives them the keys that they need to be very positive with whatever it is that they're providing to the prospective patients. Yeah, I agree entirely. Uh, the uh, I always tell buyers, your first job is to win the staff over. And then if you've won the staff over, it'll be very easy for them to endorse you to patients. Because without fail, the staff are the first person the patients ask about the quote-unquote new doc, right? And if the staff can't say without reservation, yeah, he's great, or yeah, she's fantastic, you're going to love seeing her, then we've got a problem with the transition. I even remember listening once, having having a buyer come and say, yeah, you know, we're, we're just not getting the retention that I thought we would with the patients. Um, what's going on here? Um, and I remember listening to the staff, overhearing the front office talking on the phone and hearing say, oh, the new doc? Yeah, he's great, right? And just in the tone of voice, really, what is what is she saying to the patient? Yeah, go somewhere else, right? And this was this wasn't an outright transition, but it was a um, it was kind of like an associate joining a practice, and we're having a hard time filling the associate schedule, is what it was. But um, because from a from a transition standpoint, to reassure everyone out there, patient retention usually high or low to mid nineties on average, ninety percent, ninety two to ninety five percent, generally what we see. Marie, you're seeing that in your market as well? Yeah, I would say, I mean, attrition with patients in a traditional transition is pretty low. It's definitely less than 10%, like you're saying. It's it's not um, significantly high, especially if there's a proper introduction to the buyer. So both with staff members being comfortable and able to introduce the prospective buyer, as well as having a really good transition letter that emphasizes the good care of hands that the patients are going to be in then I don't really find that attrition is very high. And so if I have staff that feel really comfortable that they can just jump in and be able to facilitate questions and concerns as they come up, then I don't find that, I mean, patients, they have to see somebody new regardless if somebody's retiring or moving. And so they're more likely to come to the same place they've been used to coming and see all the same people than to start researching to find someone new. So they're more likely to give the benefit of the doubt and try the new buyer out than anything else. So now if they try out the person and it didn't go great on the first meeting, that's different, but being able to get them in the chair for an opportunity to meet the buyer is such a key part of making a transition successful. I agree, yeah. Well, and I was like, just like you said, as long as we have a strong endorsement from the seller, as long as the staff are on board endorsing the buyer, and as long as we have continuity you know, with the location, with the insurance plans, uh, those elements as well, and continuity with the staff, then patient retention should be well above 90%. If it's higher, if the attrition's higher than that, if we're losing more than 10%, we, I would say even more than 5 to 7% of patients, we need to look at it and find out why. In most cases, it's usually because the buyer's not connecting with the patients uh, for some reason. But having that, that um, having the staff winning them over early on is an important part of that so that they can endorse the patients, uh, excuse me, that endorse the new doctor, the new owner to the patients or the associate or the buyer or the partner or whatever the transition may, may be. Now, occasionally I get this question too, Marie, 
well, you mean we're going to wait till the the, the action, until the seller's gone and the buyer's here before we tell patients? That that's crazy to me. I don't know about your experience, but there are always things that can delay or derail a transition. And if we've made an announcement in advance, it's much less uncomfortable to wait and tell patients later than it is to try and backpedal backpedal with patients after and having an announcement go out prematurely. That's a conversation for an attorney as well, because an attorney is going to state, if you send that letter out, you've transitioned the goodwill without consideration. So if you did it before the closing date, I would argue that's not appropriate from a legal standpoint of transitioning the practice. So there's a reason why we're saying we notify the entire patient base the day of closing, but I like to give the flexibility to my staff members and the doctor where they can decide on a case-by-case basis as people are coming in you know, for the two to three weeks before closing, if they feel like it would be awkward to not tell them, then just tell that individual and let them know, hey, we haven't really broadcasted this yet. We haven't informed everybody, but I did want you to know that we do have another doctor coming to acquire the practice or we'll be assuming the care of patients in a few weeks. And that's who you're going to see when you come back for your filling on the fifth or whatever. So I like to just leave that up to the staff and the doctor to make the decisions about who they're going to have that conversation with individually. And there's nothing wrong with talking with patients individually, you know, a week or two before closing, just so you can avoid some of those awkward conversations, but you just don't want to have that mass email or letter go out prior to closing. Right. Well, and usually only then in giving that flexibility, if most of the contingencies are met, or if there's a signature closing that's already taken place, or if there's a a high likelihood that closing is imminent, right? Yes. Otherwise, yeah, I agree. It's best to wait and make the announcement. And really, the, the the funny thing with it is what you're waiting till the day of closing to make an announcement. You're not springing the news on anybody except for those patients that are maybe scheduled the next week. So, yeah, those patients, it takes a little extra care. You're probably, my recommendation is always that the patients, uh, excuse me, the staff call those patients and make a personal introduction or announcement of the transition and introduction of the new the new dentist rather than, you know, because the letter probably would not have reached them by then. Yeah. So that's usually part of the training process. I go with the staff is letting them know, hey, letter won't be going out. Here's the reasons why it's not going out until closing. So we want to make sure we're on top of things with patients, um, especially those patients that are scheduled there. We don't want to make the assumption that they, that they got the letter, that they opened the letter, that they read the letter, that they understood the letter or that they remember the letter. And so we want to make sure that that we call them, make that announcement in person. And then as we're reminding patients through appointment reminder card, uh, excuse me, calls, or even if it's automated, make sure it's in, included in that reminder, a reminder of the transition. Because the only time I ever hear from staff that they have irate patients or patients that are upset about a transition is when the patient is there in the chair expecting Dr. Seller to walk in and see them and Dr. Byer walks in instead and they have no idea who he or she is. Yeah, that's correct. And I, like you said, I think the best way to avoid that is with the reminder calls. If it is automated, I recommend just calling anyway. And if you have to leave a voice message, say, yes. hey, so-and-so, can you please call back? I have a couple items I want to discuss with you about your upcoming appointment. So hopefully they call back. That way you can have a conversation with them and just summarize the transition. And even if you have to do that for six months or so until you go through the entire patient base, that would be appropriate. So you don't have any of those experiences where somebody just shows up, they didn't read the email or the letter that was sent and then didn't reply to a phone call. So if somebody even comes in, it's always nice to catch them at the door and say, I tried to leave you a message and then give them that summary of what's happened with the transition if they didn't get that information prior to then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. 
Uh, other thoughts on telling telling patients? I think the dialogue you went through, the majority of patients are going to be fine with it, we find. Um, some patients uh, are going to be reluctant. Using that feel, felt, found that you outlined earlier, Marie, I think is a very effective. One, it validates their feelings. It um, acknowledges the, their concern, but then it redirects it to something positive. I think it's also, you can share in there, I always recommend buyers get patient, have, excuse me, staff come back and, and do some work on the on the staff, even if it's just a simple exam, so that the staff member can say, you know what, he just worked on me the other day and I had a great experience. That carries a lot of weight with patients. Yeah, it certainly does. I think it makes them feel right at the beginning that they can feel comfort and trust. And too, if the selling doctor's saying that they're staying on and that they're going to be the patient as well, I think that's equally helpful. Uh, One other item I think would be important to address is also how to discuss the challenges of transitioning with insurance as it relates to informing patients, because I find that even though they're willing to give the buyer a chance and they're, you know, on board to be a part of the transition and continue to come, if information isn't taken care of really well on the financial side, I would say that that is the bigger reason for attrition than even them not liking a buyer or not connecting with the buyer. And so now that we're having a lot of changes with dental insurance, depending on if the practice is credentialed or not, there can be a pretty big window in which there might be some, you know, challenges with billing insurance with a new tax ID number, a new billing MPI number, and I have a new provider in there that maybe they were credentialed at another location, maybe not. And so being able to have a good conversation with whoever is filtering these types of phone calls coming in from patients where they're able to have a little bit of liberty to make some modifications if needed. If let's say, for example, they thought something was going to be billed as a network and all of a sudden now they're all being built out of network for a specific plan that the front office is able to make an adjustment with insurance or appease the patient to make them happy while this window of transition is taking place with insurance. Cause that can take up to 90 days with some uh, practices. And a lot of sellers are not super excited about having buyers work on that super early in the process, especially if they haven't informed their staff members, because uh, the insurance doesn't care if something's confidential, they'll contact the practice to get information about the prospective buyer. And I do think that planning ahead of time and making sure the front office is really well prepared about the things that could happen with the change of insurance with the provider will help just smooth the process along with any patients that might have a little bit of frustration with something that may happen different with their insurance claims after the close. Uh, excellent. Uh, yeah, excellent thoughts, Marie. And and another argument for, for those of you who haven't listened to our episode on telling staff and when to tell staff, there is another argument in favor of telling the staff very early in the process so they can be involved in getting the credentialing, getting the insurance in place, makes that transition so much smoother um, when that happens. Um, so great, great thoughts. Well, we're coming up on our 15-minute mark. Any final thoughts, Marie, on the process of telling staff or excuse me, telling patients? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that um, as long as you prepare ahead of time and that you have a game plan for how to talk with your staff members about um, you know, what to do when informing patients and just a secondary reminder, don't use the words bought or sold, but acquired the patient or acquired the practice or assuming the care of patients, those are my preferred and then giving your staff members some liberty to be able to decide what makes sense in informing patients at different times so that that way it's a very comfortable transition the week and two after close with the buyer. Excellent. 
Well, thanks so much for joining us uh, again for another episode. If there are specific questions that we haven't, that you have on this topic that we haven't addressed, if we can provide any insights uh, or if we can be of service to you in any way, let us know. Thanks so much for joining me, Marie, for your expertise and sharing your thoughts. Thank you.